This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. Thursday afternoon, not Thursday morning. Both of us had things going on this morning. Um, But kind of a good time to stop, check in. Vikings are now right in the the heart of OTAs. Um, So I think OTAs number three was yesterday for them. We've only been out there once. Um, The way kind of the media schedule works, we're there, I guess, twice a week, but only once a week to watch practice. Um, We were there Wednesday to kind of talk to a bunch of assistant coaches, Tuesday to actually watch practice and, and grab guys as they come off the field. Some things that stood out, I guess, the things that stood out this week are people who are not there, actually. Mm-hmm. So they stand out because of their absence. Um, Daniil Hunter, not surprising. Um, I don't think we will see him touch grass until he gets that new contract. Dalvin Cook, not surprising. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I think me and Tom kind of went through that mental gymnastics last mm-hmm. week of, is he going to be here at the start of next season? These are voluntary workouts, so I don't know if the absence means a whole ton yet. Um, It just feels a little different than, say, Justin Jefferson, who also is absent. Um, But that one doesn't seem to raise any concern in my eyes. These are voluntary. As long as he's there June 13th and 14th for mandatory minicamp, I think that's okay. Um, If Justin Jefferson is not there June 13th and 14th, then I think you have to start worrying about a potential holdout. Um, Other guys that missed, Harrison Smith, Jordan Hicks, those guys don't really concern me. Um, I know they are both in and around the facility a lot throughout the off season, both have houses in the, in the twin cities. So <laughs> them missing a couple of days of OTAs here and there again, voluntary workouts, um, not a big deal. I, I just, I, I, I latch on to the Daniel Hunter and Dalvin cook absences because they just feel inherently different. Um, yeah. even if they are the same in the sense that all they've done so far is miss a voluntary workout. I here's the thing. I think they're like related in some ways, right? Like mm-hmm. when I was thinking about the cook thing and we were talking about this at some point you have to say you, you should spend your, your salary cap money. Like if you're the Wilfs, you should be upset with management if they don't, right? You set a budget for them. You're yeah. saying, I want to win. The league is telling you, you can't spend a certain amount of money or whatever. Right. Um, we've hired, we've had this long-term cap wizard, like maximize dollar, you know, dollars and cents, or at least spend all of it. And like, I do think if you get to a point where like for some reason you feel like you need to do Jefferson now, you're close with Hawkinson and you're figuring out the Neil Hunter. I mean, at some point you're just Zedari Smith doesn't create enough space, right? You know, they right. traded him for cents on the dollars, even with the injury last year and all that stuff to Cleveland, because like the cap space has a value. Um, the the certainty of having Hawkinson Hunter. Jefferson. I mean, those outside of like the quarterback, those are those are pretty key positions. You need to keep those mm-hmm. guys in house, um, and that's where like again, a guy like Cook gets cut, even though he's coming off a pretty good season. Even though I mean, I know there's there's some advanced metrics that kind of tell us what the eye test is telling us. Mm-hmm. Down to down, he's not been great. You know, it's more home run hitter, but it's again like we can't discount game breaking plays. Like those are super important. It's just at some point, it's more important to have Hawkinson, to have Hunter, have Jefferson. I just mm-hmm. I think. Hunter's the one you got to be most concerned about. I think Hawkinson knows he'll get paid because they didn't trade that much capital to get him. You know what I mean? They're not going to know what his number mm-hmm. is. They know what it's probably getting down to like tightening screws. Uh, Jefferson, if he's holding out because of like a contract thing, then that's a weird, that's a weird situation in my mind. Jefferson probably is like, yeah, they're just going to like ha- hand me a check, right? Be like, what do you need? 
<laughs> and then mm-hmm. they'll sign it. And so, you know, Jefferson is the franchise, right? And so I just don't see, I see those guys, Hawkinson and Jefferson being fine. I think with Hunter, it's a little bit more sensitive, right? I think he has to have some loyalty to the organization, right? There's a third round pick, wasn't super productive in college turned him into a star has stuck with him through injuries conversely mm-hmm. he's gonna say give me what i'm worth right like the vikings need him more now than ever because davenport has to pan out in some ways but like again hunter plays that vital role um attacking the quarterback right taking out the most player important player on the field so um i don't know if i'm cook i'm preserving my value if i'm hunter like he can't have injuries but i also think hunter's like savvy like he, whoever's his people are like they're i think they're pretty savvy they're like we're not showing up until we get paid and i think in cook's case it's like what, what is there for him you know what i mean like he knows he knows how to be a running back and he needs to figure out what his status is with the team and stay healthy enough that if he leaves he ends up in a good situation somewhere else yeah, I think the interesting part about all this, like with OTAs and the absences and who's here, who's not, is like, it, in a lot of ways, it is created, like the narrative is created by us. Like, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, Alvin yeah, Cook's yeah. not there. I wrote a story like, is Madison going to be the number one running back? Yeah. Uh, Harrison Smith isn't there. It's not like I'm like, well, Lewis Seen's taking over for Harrison Smith. So, like, right now in a vacuum, they're all the same. Yeah. Because all that anyone has done who is not there is miss a voluntary workout. It just feels different. Now where we start to get into kind of, I guess where you could sound the alarms a little bit is, is June 13th, 14th. um, When when you get to mandatory, but overall it's, it's, it's very similar as far as absences right now. It's just one feels different because there is like a contract situation kind of looming. Whereas Harrison Smith, just re-upped his contract restructured and and you know he's not going anywhere so like yeah no no Harrison Smith I mean I'm sure there'd be some assistance there that like there's a lot of young players in the secondary they will all learn something from Smith right and you have guys coming off injury and you know you think like the guys they just drafted could benefit from it too the the interesting thing with Jordan Hicks is that you always the guy's always described the middle linebacker as the quarterback of the defense I'm not saying he's doing anything wrong he actually probably could add something here but again I, I get it like these guys it's just different when you're like 24 aside from like a Lewis scene type injury where literally something breaks like young people just recover quicker, right? They're just naturally more athletic. If anything, they're trying to learn. And I think it's, you know, Mm -hmm. conversely, why put miles in any capacity on your body? If you're, if you're Harrison Smith's age or Jordan Hicks age or whatever. So again, again, you're right. Like, I think we fixate on Hunter and, and, and cook because of the uncertainty, right? That like, yeah, yes. Very un- it's likely cook's gone. And like uh, with Daniel Hunter, it's, they have to take care of them, but they're literally limited by league rules like that. I'm sure in a vacuum, they'd say, yeah, have whatever you want, man. You're like hyper athletic and very productive. And you've been part of the Vikings forever. Um, but, you know, they're limited, obviously, by, by league rules. And then and then probably like Kwesi's policies in terms of what he'd pay a, a player like that. But um, but yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's a good point. And I think it's. I think the hard thing is if you're a diehard football fan and this is all you're watching, right, you're not like locked into baseball or anything. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's football and you're concerned about what the team looks like because somehow like May turns into August here really quick. You know what I mean? (laughs) So so, yeah, it's natural to be like, hey, what does this look like? Continuity is important for football. Also, we're just learning more and more about the regime, right? How they treat players. We know Spielman was loyal to his guys to a fault, right? We're going to learn how a Wall Street person uh, or guy with a Wall Street background 
values players and chemistry and culture, right? We know O'Connell does. I think there's been a lot of focus on Flores. Like, what is this guy like who's already been a head coach, who comes from the Patriots organization, which is like borderline militaristic, right? Even for a football team. Um, and what is a guy who's an authoritarian going to do as the defensive coordinator for someone who's more collaborative, right? And I think um, uh, it's crazy how much, I mean, I do actually think there's learns here, even in May, even though really we learn most of this stuff in August. For sure. You mentioned Flores, so let's just go there next. And then I do want to circle back um, to one thing on the offensive side of the ball. But you mentioned Flores, obviously a lot. There's like a lot of intrigue around him. What's the defense going to look like? How is they, are they going to be more aggressive? You can't be less aggressive than Ed Donatel was. So, yes, they will be more aggressive, I think. Um, but it's interesting to kind of watch and listen they are flying around out there. And if you talk to some of the offensive guys, we talked to Alexander Madison on Tuesday, KJ Osborne on Tuesday, even Christian Darisaw on Tuesday. The tenor is all from each of those guys is like, defense needs to chill out. Like, like it's intense. <laughs> uh, we love it, but like, it kind of sounds like they were breaking some rules going to the ground. Like, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. non-contact practice. And I say that tongue in cheek. I don't think they're out there like really, tackling going to the floor but like it does seem like the defense was more charged up than the offense maybe was ready for or and I think that comes from Flores and and we talked to Brian Flores yesterday too you know he made it seem like a lot of these first you know they they go phase one phase two now we're in phase three but like the the early stages of phase three is learning the defense but I think he's trying to learn the players who can kind of who responds to what um, who's going to fly around the kind of way he wants uh, guys to fly around. Um, we've seen the versatility and I think, or we, we've, we've heard a lot about the, the defensive versatility. And I think we'll see more of that as like OTAs progress. But right now uh, the guys that are standing out are the guys that just fly around. Lewis seen, you know, stands out. Yeah. Marcus Davenport has stood out by the way. He's kind of just been aggressive. Um, just kind of with whatever drill he's, he's taking on. Um, I mean, Andrew Booth, I, I think had a pretty good, you know, I, I guess non-contact practice, right? Like it's still hard to glean what any of this means when we're not going to the ground, when it's not full go. Um, but you're starting to see glimmers of, of, of who could have an impact this year on the defense. And I think Flores is seeing similar things. I mean, first of all, I think people are going to fall in love with scene, right? He was a little out of sight, out of mind because he got hurt in London. Um, but like a lot of, there's been kind of a lot of talk that like, that's a marriage made in heaven Flores and yeah. right? Flores probably sees him and goes, dude, in this defense, you can go light a guy up. Now we've learned like with the Caleb Evans and stuff, like some of these guys are a little over aggressive and the one way they're trying to prevent concussions that you don't throw your helmet into them. But like, you know, I think scenes a big heavy hitter boost supposed to be like that. Um, Evan certainly asked him with his speed, even though he's smaller, but like um, I think when you think about it, it's like, it's almost like they kind of drafted for Flores, which is really funny because Ed Donatel was so different. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, there's a lot of pieces there. I actually think the thing that prepared this team best, at least the guys who were here last year was San Francisco, right? The fact that that's yeah. like their defense is arguably over aggressive to the extent that they get injured. You know what I mean? You tie the smash mouth football that converses that like, look at their injury list. And every year there's guys who are really important or missing time. But, you know, I think of those practices and I don't, you know, I haven't been to a ton of practices where they don't you know it's guys and you know without pads or whatever but like they i remember feeling getting upset i think because like they brought cook to the ground or something and in kind of this like the niners were pushing the limits even though this is something that's entirely sanctioned right it's come into our facility we want you you know 
there's some learn there, obviously with Shanahan and with their defense, how good they are. Also kind of a barometer for the Vikings in general that like, mm-hmm. I think the Vikings kind of aspire to be close to where the Niners are, where they're always on the brink of a championship and um, very well run, well coached. Um, and so I think if anything, those joint practices probably prepared them as well as anything. And I think this is, I always think of like, Flores obviously will benefit the de- defensive players most and actually the young ones, right? Harrison Smith, he, he'll adjust things, but like, I don't know how much more he's going to learn or Jordan Hicks or like some of these older guys, but right. um, certainly we talk about Asamoah and um, seeing and whatnot, but I think the offense benefits from it too. I'm sure these guys are like, what the hell? Like, like we have to get through a 17 game season <laughs> you know I mean? and like yeah. all these practices and stuff during the summer. And man, like, these guys are injured all year long. Like they finally get an opportunity to recover. And then I'm sure like, yeah, KJ Osborne and Darius are like, Hey, chill out, man. Like, I don't need a bruise in my like pack, you know, in May, but like, I think they will benefit in some ways because as much as listen, Donatel new defense in some capacity, we act like this is like, just like, you know, Kevin O'Connell's grandpa or something <laughs> was running the defense at one point. But like, no matter if you're the 31st defense or the best one in the league, like the, any of these coordinators knew it. It's just, I think the aggressiveness, I, I actually think this is really good, especially for like a guy like Cousins, who is very kind of ordered and uh, struggles in chaos. Like I think even an older player like that will benefit from it. Certainly the physicality, like you think of Jordan Addison, right? The knock on him was runs right routes while understands leverage. It's a little bit athleticism. Like he just doesn't have the raw speed other guys do, but it's like, yeah. what happens when someone presses up on him? This is good for Jordan Addison. This is good for a guy like Osborne, who even though he's sort of kind of a veteran, like, he has something to prove here. And I think um, it's just going to, even like a nailer, like he's going to have to run his routes well because the guy's going to yep. stick to him in this defense. So like, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's as much as like they only got a glimpse of that when San Francisco came into town last year, you're getting that 24 seven. And I think that's something I didn't think of until we kind of started talking about OTA is that Flores actually will help the offensive players. <laughs> they probably just don't see it right now. Cause they're like, yeah, this dude's insane. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? so, yeah. It, it was funny listening to, to Flores talk yesterday because you could tell like he's a super intense guy who has kind of been, you know, Spending at his lot. previous stops an authoritarian, like for the most part. He's using words like compromise, like collaborate. Like you can see he's he's trying. He's trying to be into, the, into this mold of like the Kevin O'Connell. And I think that's good. I think that's going to be good for Flores down the road. I think it's going to be good for the Vikings to kind of have – someone who pushes a little harder on the day to day, maybe um, at least from like maybe an you know, authoritative standpoint. Um, I think all of those things are going to mix well together. I think it's interesting. You talk about like how this defensive structure and practice can fit and help the offense because we're only two or three days in now. And it already seems like it has. And then we're not mm-hmm. going, we're not going to the ground. I guess we'll never really go to the ground in practice, but we're not even heads up. We're not there. You know, it is very much right now in these voluntary workouts, non-contact. And you're still seeing like the aggressiveness, the physicality to whatever degree that looks like when it isn't on contact, non-contact in quotes, you're seeing the offensive players respond to that. Christian Darisaw said almost echoed exactly what you just said, Tom. Yeah. Last year we would practice and then we'd get into games and be like, what the heck is this? We've never seen anything like this. And mm-hmm. it's because of the defense. Like it's because mm-hmm. the defense that Ed Donatel ran, and you know maybe we should just let this guy live <laughs> instead, yeah. of, instead of bringing him down. I, I I keep bringing him up, but really it was it was basic, it was simplistic, and and the offense would see this day in day out in practice, and then they would go into a game and be like, "What is that on the other end?" Like, 
the safety's blitzing what like you know like yeah. it, so the fact that yes i think you can hear someone like christian daris say yeah this is going to help me because there are stunts up front they are being more aggressive right away and this is all so so early still it's still may um i think when when we hit training camp you know when we hit the preseason like i, I think the offense will be at least a little more prepared for for multiple looks from the defensive side because of what, what Flores is going to bring forth day in, day out. Yeah. I, um, uh, I had talked, or I said before on the earlier podcast, like in some ways O'Connell needs to learn what he doesn't know. Right. The other thing is I like that he has someone who's going to push kind of basic tenets of kind of what he believes. Right. We talked about, I think last year they had like 11 of 16 contact practices or something. And obviously it made sense. Like for the most part, the team stayed healthy. I do think that it's just nonsense that you would have guys like knocking each other around in the summer. Yeah, and then yeah. it turns to fall and you, especially with the way their schedule is set up and not, it almost wouldn't matter if it wasn't this way, but like the way their schedule is set up, like you need those guys as healthy as possible. Cause the hardest part is kind of that first third. It actually is kind of soft in the middle and then gets hard in the end. But like, I think, you need to be ready to go to, to play, you know, the Eagles and the Bengals. And I'm trying to think like the chargers, whatever, all these teams that they, they play early on. And like, um, you can't have the injuries. Having said that, like, I don't think Flores, like, again, we talked about authoritarian or whatever. I, I think there's some sense to him. I, I don't think he wants his guys to get injured either, but I think he may push O'Connell on some of these things and say, Hey, mm-hmm. why can't we have 12 or 13 if we need them? Right. Could we maximize 16 if there's some compromise in terms of physicality and the practices or whatever? Um, and I think he's both selling it probably on like, hey, the defense needs it. Our guys need it. If we're going to rely on, especially in the secondary on these younger players, like they have to be ready week one to press up on guys and be physical. And I, they need to know like there's little margin for error if the safety's coming in. Someone's got to be out in the field to stop a throw, right? And like I think uh, he may push it for his guys, but he may also kind of sell O'Connell on like, your guys need it too. I mean, what you were saying with Derrissaw and some of these other guys, like, of course they didn't see much because the Donatel thing was keep everything in front of you. Right. And like with, um, mm-hmm. with Flores and especially with like corners who he's not going to trust as much. Right. At least they had like Peterson and stuff last year. I think he's going to, he's going to go, yeah, occasionally I'm just going to throw the house at him. And like, this is just a gamble I'm going to do. And it's something I've done before and, and whatnot. And so I think, and especially like the way he's training these guys where he's talking about multiple and stuff, all that means is they have to learn like multiple defenses really. And then they, they throw it. Right. So like, I actually think this is a, we talked about how O'Connell like good on him to hire a guy like this. Obviously they had an existing relationship. I assume from when O'Connell was drafted by the Patriots around the time that uh, Flores was starting there. But, um, this is a former head coach, a really high profile one, right? Who I think if he didn't run into the issue he ran into with the lawsuit and all that stuff in Miami where the, the owner was allegedly paying him to lose games, like he may still be there. Like he's he's a winning coach. He came from mm-hmm. uh, Pittsburgh or sorry, uh, New England, a winning franchise. And then Pittsburgh, another one picked him up. Right. And so like but it's it's also like a guy who thinks differently than him. And I think some conflict is good. Obviously, if it can't be resolved, it, it's not good. But it was a bad sign, for example, Zimmer brings in North Turner, seemed to trust him um, that he would just run the offense, that this is a former head coach, uh, that Zimmer didn't seem to want to bother with that too much. He knew defense, and that was his strength. And then when the conflict arised, we learned years later, obviously, after everything kind of falls out, the regime changed, that North was like, I'm not putting up with this, right? You know what I mean? And I think O'Connell hopefully will handle this differently, that where conflict arises, obviously, he has the upper hand. He is the head coach. Mm-hmm. But I think he's going to have respect for Flores. He knows what he's doing. He knows importance of defense. 
I actually love this that I think Flores is going to put push O'Connell some ways, and O'Connell has to know that going in, knowing who Flores is, is um, personally, but also his reputation as a coach. Yeah, I think the push pull of that is big. Like O'Connell might learn more than he even realizes he's going to learn from Brian Flores by the season's end. And Brian Flores is going to learn some things from Kevin O'Connell that's going to help him when he moves on to to his next stop. Brian Flores is not long for the defensive coordinator position in Minnesota. I, I think he could be here a couple of years, a few years. But if the defense turns and has success, Brian Flores is going to be a, a, a candidate for a head coaching position. And that's just how it is. So I think you can learn some things from the way that Kevin O'Connell manages his staff, manages his players. That could, if you are Brian Flores, benefit you down the road. Um, granted, that being said, right now, all that matters is he is tasked with taking the second worst defense in the NFL <laughs> and making them competent. How is he going to do that? I think we've, like me and Thomas said, we, we've seen the early stages of that with, with the aggression, with the multiple looks. We just won't really know. And, and he said that yesterday. Uh, how much can we learn about a guy when, when we're not going full go? Like you, you yeah. can say like that guy looks good, but it looks a heck of a lot different when, when you are, you know, pads on going up against someone on the other side, who's trying, who's trying to be it, you know, and, and get reps of their own. So, like I said, we've seen some glimmers who might stand out. Um, but really we won't know until mandatory camp in, in, in mid June. And then obviously training camp in, in late July, early August. So just, just to tie one more thing in here. So O'Connell was insistent that he brought over like medical staff, I believe from Los Angeles and yeah. um, Tyler and Uriah, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Who look, they're in shape as in shape as the players, <laughs> but, but they, uh, I think, yeah. you know, they did this like demonstration for the media, kind of like the basic outline of kind of the parameters they have for the team. And I think, that also is going to create boundaries, right? And so, like, first of all, you talk about Flores learning as a head coach or learning from O'Connell. Mm -hmm. This is something he may take with him, right? That, like, if you have this advanced medical staff, you're ready in week 15. You think about this. It, like, the, the Vikings have played, like, the Lions twice late. They need as many guys as possible. Like, they nearly lost the Lions at home last year and then obviously lost there in Detroit. Yep. And that's, like, they may be competing for the division there. Um, so, so I think what the medical staff – will do too. Like they, they had talked, they had like this little scale. I think they had Dalvin cook on it actually. And like, they're like, Hey, sometimes we're like way over the left and that's like, everyone chill out. You know, we played a Thursday night game or we have a Thursday night game coming out or whatever, or like we had a particularly physical game or whatever. And then there's like kind of this like red zone on the right where, where it's like, Hey, occasionally we tell these guys like throttle down, like go practice as hard as you can. And I think, Hey, I got to imagine like, this was sanctioned in some ways that they were like, yeah, mm -hmm. Flores, if you want to just day one, day two, day three, like drop the hammer down and get these guys going, go ahead. As long as you don't like kill someone with, with one of the defensive players. But like, I think uh, that is going to set a parameter for him too, right? There's some science behind this. Obviously they have to tap in the football knowledge and stuff like that. But I think that's, I mean, that's the other thing is like Flores is going to have to trust that. I don't know what, I mean, I got to imagine like the Patriots are ahead of this stuff, right? If like you're mm -hmm. a winning franchise like that and the fact that they kept like, I know Tom Brady had his own like regime or whatever, but they, they kept Brady, you know, healthy forever. And um, certainly those guys in peak physical condition, my guess is this not the first time that he's seen this, but like, that's also a good thing for him too, because this is not like the 1960s, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. this has to be made for modern football and, and, and um, how many games they play now. And as, as you know, we're saying like there's high stakes late in the season. Um, 
But I think that's interesting too, that, you know, you got to think about that. Like Flores, Flores in some ways is given a green light and occasionally probably a red light too, uh, in terms of what he can do. Um, and it may be in the past that they were kind of given the throttle down and they didn't quite do it. My guess is Flores will push the limit of whatever he's given in terms of parameters and boundaries of this players. For sure. Last thing, Tom, before we wrap, I want to circle back. You know, we talked a little bit about the absences on, I guess, both sides of the ball. Now Flores back to the offensive side of the ball. The only other thing that really stood out to me outside of Dalvin cook, not being there, you know, Justin Jefferson, obviously not being there, but less concerning um, in my opinion than Dalvin cook, Jordan Addison didn't practice. Um, hmm. he, he was in sneakers and just kind of walking around watching, um, I'm not concerned about that yet. Um, obviously something to keep an eye on. Um, you never want your first round pick not participating in the voluntary workouts a week into the voluntary workouts. Um, but I know he's been banged up at, at certain points, um, you know, at, towards the end of his season with uh, USC last year, I think he missed the bowl game to prepare for, for the NFL draft. I think he tweaked an ankle. I, I'm not concerned about Jordan Addison. That's not why I bring it up. But I, I thought it was interesting with no Jefferson, with Addison off to the side, KJ Osborne's the number one receiver. Yeah. And KJ Osborne, like, I got to give that guy a lot of credit. Like, the way he handles himself, the way he conducts himself. And he's obviously very well spoken. We both have talked to him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like a, a joy to actually speak to, um, you know, in the locker room on, uh, you know, as they walk off the practice field, whatever it may be. But, but he's no, he's no dummy. Like, he looks at it like, you know, I'm the number one guy right now. I need to like show out and, and and prove myself that I can be a part of this offense. He mentioned he has a huge chip on his shoulder this year. And while he went out and immediately said, not because of the draft. Yeah. yeah. What was if it? You though? go out of your way yeah. to say not because of the draft. It probably yeah. is because of the draft. So yeah. KJ Osborne, uh, someone I've always been really impressed with the way he's kind of turned himself into an NFL player from a fifth round pick for sure. Um, glorified special teams are, um, to now a legitimate contributor in an offense that hopes to be top 10, top five. Um, I'm curious how hard he attacks OTAs and how hard he attacks the, the, the mandatory mini camp and, and training camp, obviously, uh, because I do think this is a guy who feels like he has a ton to prove, uh, not just because the Vikings drafted his replacement, um, but because he is in the contract year and he yeah. wants to make money out of this. Um, I, I'm just curious what you think of KJ, what you think his ceiling is. Um, I think he's a better player than, than people maybe give him credit yeah. for. Um, but I do also think he might be better suited. Not saying he couldn't be a number two, but I think he could maybe do potentially dominate um, as a number three. And dominate is obviously relative, but I think yeah. he can dominate in his role um, as a number three guy behind those other two. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, like the third receiver in this offense is actually kind of functionally four, right? Because like Hawkinson is kind of in yeah. that mix. Yes. So we assume it's Jefferson Hawkinson. And we've talked a lot about how like Addison's route running gives him kind of like a leg up early because that should translate to the NFL. Um, and he should benefit obviously from Hawkinson and Jefferson. KJ Osborne will benefit from having repetitions with Kirk Cousins. Like I do, I mm -hmm. think he trusts it. Go back to the Detroit, the first Detroit game here they win i think they led for like 45 seconds it was actually i and i think it was the third read or something it was a touchdown pass to kj osborne um and i think he developed that trust in that second camp where he's transforming himself from 
frankly, like a returner that didn't pan out in the fifth round to yeah. a receiver in this offense. Hey, he can still have a crystal rule as the receiver three, even if they're going a little heavier with the Vikings. Like, this is not Zimmer. I think people are like panicking that all of a sudden we're going to start to see the Zimmer or Kubiak offense, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I don't yeah. think that's going to be the case. And I think he still could get receptions. I also think like a guy like that always has to think about his opportunities with a full-fledged offense. It's that I should be more open than the other guys, right? There's more concentration mm -hmm. on Jefferson, on, on Hawkinson. Um, I also think early in the season, go back to that schedule and stuff. And I know this is going to happen in September, but again, it's going to come quick. Uh, I don't know if Addison's going to be ready right away. Uh, it, Justin Jefferson wasn't. He was held back because Zimmer <laughs> didn't like rookies. But like, you know, like even Justin Jefferson took a couple of weeks before he really got going. Like just because Addison doesn't do much early doesn't mean he won't do something all season long. Having said that, that's still opportunity for KJ Osborne. Um, and I just I like that mentality. Like he should be thinking like a guy in a contract. You're thinking like a guy who's the third, potentially the third receiver. Also, like at the very least prove he has that role down solidly. Not that like Miller's mm -hmm. going to really push him or anything like that, but like just that I think the third receiver is still important. So I don't know. The only thing I would say about Addison being out is like, obviously you hope he's healthy. I, I would assume he is obviously don't react to anything right now, but uh, where does he build that rapport with cousins? Right? Because I think he's a kind of player that cousins would trust. Right. I think cousins, if you ask him an honest moment, he'd go, I'd rather have someone who's technically sound and knows like, you go three yards, you, you split, right? And knows how leverage works at the stem of the route or whatever. Then right. someone who's just raw athleticism. And I think, you know, I go back to the Indianapolis game, like what is lost amongst this weird upset win that like the Vikings should have crushed that team, right? Was that like Rager's a good athlete. He didn't finish a route and Cousins threw an interception and he misread zone versus man and Cousins threw a pick six. Like that mm -hmm. is stuff Cousins just won't, it, it, it's just untenable for him. Most veteran quarterbacks, most quarterbacks period. Right. And I'm, I'm just curious, like we know Osborne has the, the rapport with Cousins. I think at the very least he will sit comfortably as the receiver three. And I think he will think always of like, can I be the number two guy? Right. He knows Justin Jefferson's untouchable probably, but um, I think that's just kind of ingrained him in him. But you know, like if you're Addison, I think you're, you're like, he runs the routes, right? He's got to make sure that he establishes that chemistry quick. Cause that is this disadvantage, not only going from one level to the next, but that like cousins knows the rest of these guys. He instantly, had, I mean, it's crazy how Hawkinson was just learned the playbook in the middle of the season and yeah. had, what 70 yards against Washington or whatever. But like, he has it with Hawkinson. He certainly has it with Jefferson. I that the trust level really went up last year with with Cousins and Jefferson. He has it with Osborne because Osborne has been on the team and the, kind of the industrious nature. If I'm Addison, my number one thought is I need Cousins to be comfortable. I'm going to be in the right spot every time I go run a route. Yeah, no, no doubt, and that's why I think when you do miss a couple of days here early in OTAs, while it's not a cause for concern necessarily, it's not ideal because it's it's a little bit of less reps here, a little bit of less reps there. Um, and, and collectively, that can add up to kind of a lot of, you know, missed reps over the course of an offseason. Um, but I will be, you know, the Jefferson didn't play till week three against Tennessee and then immediately snapped off like 200 yards and two touchdowns yeah. is apples and oranges compared to Addison just because Zimmer hated rookies. So well, I guess we'll see. And I just think I just don't know if again maybe Addison pops off week one or whatever. I'm just you know again looking at the schedule. That first third is just tough, you know. And mm -hmm. I think 
And I just think it's, if you're going to, I would go as far as if he's going to get any significant playing time, like he has to be crisp in August, right? Because otherwise I think the team understands like given he's a rookie and stuff, this is a slow build. Right. And I just, I don't get the impression. Like, I don't think this dude's super patient. You know what I mean? He's the way he not only has all this success at Pitt goes to USC and goes into this, like, you know what I mean? Essentially an NFL offense and showcases Mm -hmm. himself for all these teams. I even go, I know these guys, like you, you shouldn't read too much into like how they dress, but the way he dressed for that draft, you would have thought he went one, one, right. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. that dude like showed up. And so I think, I do think he's just, I, I, he knows how good Jefferson is. I'm sure he respects in some ways KJ Osborne and what he did, but like, yeah, I just think, I, I actually think it's really specific to him. The Vikings offense can function without him, right. They need him at some point. I mean, obviously you just, you need your first round pick to pan out, but especially if you think about it from the money standpoint, he has that fifth year option. that's going to matter when they're showing out all this money, but like they, it's almost one of those circumstances where he needs them more than they need him. And I think yes. um, if you're, if you're going to get receptions early, especially in, in pressure situations, it's it really, no matter, I know everyone goes, well, it's one of 17, but your record early does just really matter how pe- people perceive the team. Mm-hmm. Cousins is always going to lean on the guys he trusts. That's just the way. And he is, we know he'll spread the ball around. We know really, actually, he kind of gave Rager a chance until it really just fell apart against Indianapolis and stuff. And certainly he trusted Hawkinson right away. Um, but like, yeah, I'm just saying it more from Addison. Obviously Addison can't, if he's injured, he shouldn't be practicing. But like, um, just from his perspective, like I would be showing Cousins I have the the route running skill. I'll develop everything else in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He'll get in the weight room, get bigger. He'll probably do something for agility. He'll, you know, even just adjust the fact that like he's gonna have to make plays when he's not open. Where in the in the in college, he basically was only throwing two probably when he was open. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot between now and then. It's just an interesting. It's something I think about because it matters a ton, especially to Cousins, who's so, he's such a perfectionist. You got to run the route right in order to for get sure. the ball anywhere near you. Yeah. For sure. And he's little. Like, yeah. call it what it is. Like, Jordan Addison's, he's going to be undersized forever. So, you're going to have to find ways to win and ways to kind of get that timing down with Kirk Cousins, like you said, so that he can trust you. So, you can trust that you're always going to be there because you don't have the same body type as, as a TJ Hawkinson who can just kind of win um, in, in certain areas, even if he's not super crisp. Not saying he's not crisp with his routes, but he just has that body type that, that can win in, in 50-50 situations. It's going to be hard for Jordan Addison. So, yeah, he's, he's going to have to develop that. We'll be interested to see. Um, we'll be back out there. I think it would be Tuesday. Yeah, so it's Tuesday. I think the way it goes, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, so next Tuesday we'll be out there five days from now. It'll be interesting to see if Jordan Addison is. Um, yeah. If he's not, then I guess you can start to get a little worried because – not because I don't think he will be fully healthy for week one, but to your point, Tom, if you continue to lose these reps, you just might be too far behind. Um, and th- these reps right now, they really matter before everyone kind of breaks in mid-June. So uh, I think that's all we got on this episode of Inside Purple and Gold. Like I said, we'll be back out at TCO Performance Center in Egan next week. Um, we'll check in with you guys either Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I know they have the practice on Tuesday. I think they have a celebrity golf tournament on Wednesday. So it's just, there's a lot going on. I think guys are just kind of honestly trying to get as much work as they can prepare for, for mandatory mini camp. And I, I think if you asked people, honestly, they would say we're ready for mid June. We would just kind of want to break and, and, and give ourselves that month before our training camp. So, but they're definitely putting in the work right now. Uh, we will too. And we'll be back next week to kind of talk all about it, break it down. 
For Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. As always, please follow us. Please subscribe. Please rate and review. All of that helps us um, help you guys. So check in next week. Until then, see you next time. Twenty four hundred sports is an Odyssey company. 